15. Before I do, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you that it is trustworthy and true uh, and that you use it to speak to us uh, and, uh, and you use it to speak through us to one another. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, you'd challenge us, and you'd help us to know what you're saying to prepare for change so we can be ready to do everything that uh, you are calling us to do uh, in this new season that we're in globally. Uh, We don't know exactly what's going to happen, Lord, but we do trust in you, uh, and we seek you uh, for it all. Uh, We thank you and praise you. Now, I pray, Father, you'd speak in me and through me uh, to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. David asks here, he says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. So we need to prepare ourselves for change. I think God has said change is here and even greater changes are coming Uh, And certainly the the thing about change, especially change on this scale, is we cannot fully anticipate what's going to happen. We don't know what the world will be like three months from now, or even three years from now, or probably even three weeks from now. We really don't know what the future holds, but thank God we are with a God who holds the future, who knows what the future holds. He's got the future in control But because we don't know this, we need to make sure that we are as ready as possible for change. Now, most of us don't like change. Uh, Most people around the world, uh, in fact, uh, there's this thing called loss aversion, uh, which means that people are motivated more by what they might lose than what they might gain. You know, so if somebody offered you a, a new job, uh, or the same job you're doing in a different location, you, you would, your natural inclination would be to say, no, no, I, I don't think I want that. I'm going to stay where I'm at. Uh, and sometimes, even if somebody offers you something that's better, a lot of times people will stay with what they have because we're afraid that what we might get is worse than what we've had. Uh, and that's been a real challenge here because certainly a lot of us have felt that what's going to happen after COVID is over uh, has to be worse than what we had before. Uh, But we're getting glimpses. Maybe that's not the case. Uh, We don't know what God intends. Uh, I don't believe, as I've said before, that these are the end times. But I do believe that we could be seeing the beginning of the great revival that's going to see maybe a billion souls come into the kingdom. But I don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen. All I do know is that I can get ready for change. When we moved to the United Kingdom from the United States, 
I didn't know exactly. I, you know, I'd been to the UK. Uh, I'd met people here. Uh, but I didn't know exactly what it was like, going to be like living in the UK. So all I could do was get ready for the changes that I might encounter. You know, so I read books. I did some studies. I talked to people. Um, uh, and even then, you know, I wasn't fully prepared uh, for all the changes that would occur. And, and, and uh, you know, I did the best I can. And that's what we have to do. We're in a season where we need to prepare for change the best way possible. And one of the key things about change, excuse me, all those allergies, uh, one of those key things about change uh, is that we need to go through it. As Christians, we go through it with God. I mean, that, that's really essential for us. We need to be walking with the Lord. We need to be staying close to God because the closer we are to God, the closer we're walking with Jesus, um, the closer our lives are connected with the Lord, the better we will navigate the changes that are coming upon us. And so David asks these questions. He says, okay, Lord, who, who, shall, who shall dwell in your tent? Who shall hang out with you in your tent? Apologies. You know, who, who shall dwell on your holy hill? That's where the tabernacle was. You know, so David's saying, who is going to stay in your presence? Who's going to dwell in your presence? Uh, who, who's going to be that person that's really close to you, that's hanging with you uh, and staying strong? Uh, this is the kind of people that you need to be. Because the closer you are to God, the better you get through the times of change, the seasons of change that are coming. And so David then goes on to answer the question, who is it that stays close to God? Who is it that's really connected to the Lord? Who is it that can go through change without being moved? That's the last verse there. Those who do these things shall never be moved. So the idea here of not being moved it's not that you don't move through change, you know, like I'm resisting change and change is blowing me back. Uh, that's not the idea. The idea is that as I'm going through change, I'm strong and I'm stable. And the winds of change, the flow of change doesn't knock me over. It doesn't take me out. It doesn't catch me off guard. Who is the person that can be this? Uh, and basically what David answers here, he says, it is the person who is living with integrity. The person who is living with integrity. The person of integrity is the one who dwells close to God. The person of integrity is the one who is not moved by change. It's the person of integrity. He says, he who walks blamelessly. Now, this idea of blamelessly, you know, we all know none of us are blameless. We all have sin in our lives. Uh, we all make mistakes. You know, what, what's this idea of blamelessness? Actually, the, the idea of blamelessness is somebody who's consistent between what they're doing and what's in their heart. And, and, and consistent in that way, uh, walking with, with God. It's God's person who is, has you know, the Lord in their heart and who is living in a way that's consistent with having God in their heart. Now, obviously, you know, somebody who's a sinner who doesn't know Jesus, 
who hates everybody, if they go out on a murdering spree, they're walking consistently with that. That's not blameless, obviously, and that's not what David means here. He's talking about the person of God who has the Lord in their heart and whose outer conduct is consistent with having the Lord in their heart. In other words, it's the person who allows their heart, what's at the core of their being, to dictate how they live and how they behave. And that's great for us as Christians because we have Jesus living inside of us and if we will cooperate with him, he by his Holy Spirit will form his character in us so that we live consistently with that character. That's the kind of thing that David is talking about here. He says, uh, you know, this, I'm going to have to put on my glasses sadly here. Um, so he who walks blamelessly, who does what is right, who acts, knows what to do, and does it. That's the person who does what is right. Uh, you behave in the way that you know how to behave. Now, it's not talking about the person, you know, if you don't know that uh, something is wrong, uh, then, you know, you don't know it's wrong. But if you know something's wrong and you do it, then you're not doing what's right. Also, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that's wrong as well. So it's the person who does what is right. So it's the person who's living consistently with what's in their heart, with what's on the inside, is reflected on the outside, who is doing what is right, and who speaks truth into his heart. Who speaks truth into his heart. The person of integrity is seeking to know how things really are, and first and foremost, how things really are in themselves. You know, let me give an example from what we all do here. Uh, if If you see your friend, you walk up to your friend and you say, hey, how you doing? We all say, oh yeah, I'm fine. And we'll say I'm fine even when we're not. I can't tell you the number of times that somebody has has asked me, uh, how are you? And I say, well, I'm fine when I'm really terrible, when I'm miserable, when uh, uh, I just had a bad experience and I'm not sharing that experience. You know what I've just done? I have not spoken truth into my heart. I've not spoken what's really there. Now we all understand in polite company, when you pass somebody on the street, maybe that's not the time to pour out all your troubles and say, yeah, you know, uh, my dog ran away and people hate me and I lost my job uh, and my hair fell out and, uh, you know, and go through your list of troubles. I mean, we all, you know, there's a polite thing there. But we need to speak truth into our heart. It's also around our sin. You know, it's not that we don't have sin. We all sin. You know, I, I sin. Uh, I know this is going to be really hard for you to believe, but Karen sometimes even sins. Uh, I mean, it's not very often, like once a year or so, you know, but occasionally she'll sin as well. I mean, we, we all sin. That's not the problem. It's when we deny that we sin. You know, maybe you're struggling with pride and you deny that you're struggling with pride, but you're really struggling with pride. Uh, maybe uh, you've had a bad attitude about other people and you're denying that you've had a bad attitude. One of the ways, oh, that often comes up is when we blame somebody else for the way that we're feeling. 
Oh, this is a big thing. Oh, so-and-so said this to me, and it made me feel. Do you know that it made me feel? That's a lie. You know, what they said to you did not make you feel anything. It was actually your perception of what they said. It's not what they said. It's what you think they said that causes you to respond emotionally. And what you think they said may not be what they said. And oftentimes it's not. And so when we do that, when we say things like, oh, that person said this and it made me feel this way, that person offended me, uh, so on and so on. There's a myriad number of things. I'm hoping you're getting the idea. In all these things, we're not speaking truth into our hearts. And speaking truth in our hearts means that we want to see us, ourselves, as we really are. We want to see our circumstances as they really are. I mean, it'd be really easy for me to say, oh, I'm so miserable because we haven't been able to open up the church. We haven't been able to do this. You know, my life is terrible. My life is falling apart. Uh, It's awful. But you know what? I live a blessed life, as do probably almost everybody that I'm speaking to right now. Uh, I have a place to live. Uh, I was uh, uh, shaving this morning. I'm thinking, thank you, God, for hot water. You know, I've been places where you didn't have hot water and you had to shave. Uh, uh, and, And I just like, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for a house, a place to live. Thank you for food. I mean, yeah, things are challenging. But at the same time, we are really blessed. And so we need to speak truth into our hearts. We need to speak the way things really are. And how do you know the way things really are? It's from God's perspective, not yours. It's like, I love that line in the song we sang, Christ be magnified. Uh, I won't allow feelings to determine. Uh, I won't bow down to feelings or something like that. I can't remember the lyric exactly. It's a great thing. So this, for David, is the definition of integrity. The definition of integrity right there. The one who walks blamelessly, that's a way consistent, inside, outside, uh, does what is right, speaks truth into his heart. Um, And now he's going to give some examples of this. What are examples of people who are living with integrity? Uh, one who does not slander with his tongue, who does not speak negative, despicable things about another person. That's a person of integrity. A person of integrity is one who does no evil to his neighbor, who does no harm to his neighbor. Uh, and that, that word harm is very, very important, you know, because, uh, Uh, I could say, you know, Karen could say to me, for example, Rod, I think you sinned when you said this or did this. Uh, uh, And uh, and that would hurt if she said it. But you know what? She's not done any harm to me. You know, so not everything that is painful is harmful. And not everything that is not painful is not harmful. There's a lot of things that are pleasurable that are actually harmful. Uh, So anyway... Uh, who does no harm to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. This means that if somebody's talking to you about another person who's your friend, you don't listen to them, unless they're saying all kinds of good things. If somebody's saying something negative, you don't take it up. 
You don't consider it. You don't let it come and light in your brain. That's a person of integrity. A person of integrity uh, is somebody in whose eyes a vile person is despised. You know, someone who is behaving despicably and evilly. You say, no, I'm not going to have any part of that. That's wrong. Um, uh, but who honors those who fears the Lord. So a person of integrity is somebody who honors Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, even those from different movements and different streams and things. Uh, they're honored because they're in the Lord. Um, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Uh, this is a big one. Because right now in our society, a lot of people will make promises and then if it gets inconvenient, they'll change their mind. Now, for example, somebody might make an appointment with you before COVID to go out and, and have a meal together. Uh, and then it comes the time and maybe five minutes before it's time to go out and have a meal, person calls you up and says, oh, you know, I can't make it. Sometimes they, they fudge it and they'll say, oh... <laughs> I'm sick. <coughs> but what they really mean is, I really wanted to watch EastEnders, and I forgot it was on tonight, uh, and so I can't make it. You know, so something that they think is more favorable or more important pops up, and so they cancel their previous commitment. And, and David says, that's no integrity. The person of integrity will make a promise and will keep their promise even if circumstances change and keeping their promise is a negative thing for them, is a negative balance. Uh, I remember big thing for me, it was a big test of my own integrity uh, back when I was pastoring my first church. Um, I had spoken to the church and I said, folks, I feel like the Lord has told me I'm going to make a seven to 10 year commitment to be here at this church. Now at the time, I thought seven to 10 years was a long time. Having been here for uh, almost 20 years, <clears throat> I realized, okay, maybe it wasn't quite as long. It would be 19 years uh, in September that I've been here. And, uh, uh, and, and so I said that. And then uh, about a year later, I received a call from a very large church who wanted me to come on staff. And it was really tempting. I really would have liked to have said, hey, okay, that sounds great. I'll go there. I'll do that. But I had made this commitment. Uh, and that actually happened to me twice where I'd made commitments, and then I got offers for things that I thought, oh, this might even be, any be, be better, but I had to keep my commitment because I'd made a commitment, and even though it might not work, you know, in, in the end, keeping that commitment was hard or difficult or time-consuming, I made the commitment, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my commitment. Uh, the only exception to that is if, you know, there, sometimes things come up and maybe your friend will release you from your commitment. And you can ask that, but if the friend says, no, I, I was really counting on going out to a meal with you tonight, then you keep your commitment. You know, you don't change. That's what Paul, is, uh, Paul uh, what David is saying here. Uh, he says, who does not put out his money at interest. In other words, he's, he's lending freely to his brothers and sisters in Christ uh, without taking interest from them, without asking for extra payments back from them. He does not take a bribe against the innocent uh, who you know, can't be moved off or persuaded to back down from depend, defending those who are innocent. And David says, you know, these are all examples 
of integrity. They're not all of the examples of walking in integrity. They're just a list of examples of walking in integrity. And David said, the person who walks in integrity shall not be moved. As we prepare for the changes that are coming into our world, into our society, we must determine that we will be people of integrity. And the good news is, for us as Christians, we can be people of integrity because Jesus lives inside of us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will lead us, will guide us. And Jesus and the Spirit are, are uh, uh, committed to working together with our cooperation to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ, to become people of integrity. And people of integrity can weather change no matter what comes. So let's be people of integrity because we need to be people who see God's kingdom come and his will be done, not only through this time of COVID-19 crisis, but beyond into the new reality that God is bringing to our world today. Father God, we thank you and praise you for all that you've done, for all that you're doing in our lives. I do pray, Lord, that our church would be a church of integrity, that every single one of us would be people of integrity, and that we would live and walk with that integrity to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray all this in his name. Amen.